0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the word of God. Listen, if you forget everything else that you've ever heard, just don't forget where he brought you from. Don't forget where he brought you from. I think one of my, you may be seated. I think one of the greatest blessings God's given me, and I don't mean this tongue in cheek, but I think one of the greatest blessings He's given me is simplicity, just being simple. Because in being simple, it's easy for me to see where He brought me from. It's easy for me to remember where He brought me from. It's easy for me to be reminded where He brought me from. You know, a lot of times we pass by and we see people on the side of the road, and we see people in the mall, and you know, you see their lives and the struggles they're going through, and you see the situations they're in. And when I see those folks, it always reminds me of where I was. Not that I'm any better than they are now, but I have a Jesus. I have a Jesus in my life. I have a Savior, a Redeemer. I have, I have someone that loves me, that heals me. I have someone that provides for me, that cares for me. I have a Jesus. Praise God. God bless you this morning. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you were here in Sunday school, you heard Bishop talk about how that you go through uh, and you're preparing for something and you're, you're ready for something you get it all together and your you, you mind gets to it and you, you, you want to put this and then all of a sudden God says something else and then you say, well, is that me, God, or is that you, or is it both of us? Or you? So I'm just going to follow the, the Holy Ghost this morning. I want, I want to talk to you today about it's time to power up. It's time to power up. We are the church. We are the church. Come on, we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the church of the living God. We are the church of the living. We're not the church of the dead. We're the church of the alive. We're the church of the healing. We're the, we're the church. Yeah, we are the church of the. He, so I ain't got my healing yet. Yet, yet, yet. Here it comes. It's time for church. It's time for us to power up. Power up. Now, when I read this scripture, it's not going to seem like that this fits what I'm talking about. But stay with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's begin with verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers? For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? Now, you understand, as Paul's talking here, he's not talking about people. He's not talking about people. Now, he is saying don't yoke yourself with someone that is unrighteous. He he said don't fellowship. That doesn't mean that we push away sinners. If that's the case, then I'm out the door because you're going to push me away. I'm a sinner saved by grace. But for the grace of God, there go I, a sinner lost. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what, what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Verse 60, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. Ye are the temple. The one who said, let there be. You're his temple. The one who said, let there be. You're his temple. The one that formed, He, you're his temple. The one that parted the sea, Austin, you're his temple. The one that was in the lion's den, you're his temple. The one that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you're his temple. You are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, this is not Pastor Don. This is not our family. Fellowship of belief hath God said this: I will dwell in them and walk in them, not among them, not around them. I will walk in them, and I will be their God. And they, boy, there's no, here's my, uh, he's my God. But I'm gonna be honest with you. Here's the part I like: and they shall be my people. You understand whose people you are. The bishop said, that's not my people. He said it this morning. Bishop, you know, guess God spoke to you at the same time. Th- those aren't my people. I love them. I want them to be safe. That's not my people. You're my people. Man, I am with the people of God. Wherefore, come out from among them. Now, this has been so misinterpreted in the past from us, and we're going to talk about it. Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you. Man, I miss my dad. I really realized who my dad was after he passed away and what he meant to me in my life. He was my father in this earthly being. And now I really, I don't want to have to die to understand who God is in my life. He he will be a a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And then chapter 7, verse 1. Having, therefore, these promises, what promises, these promises, what promises, He will be your Father. You will be His sons and daughters. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We're talking about powering up today. I'm not going to preach holiness to you today. Not the holiness that you think of. Not the holiness of the past that some of us, Thought we were living in. Holiness is being separate unto God. It's not about what you wear and how you dress and any of that stuff. Okay, I got over that. I'm done with that. Does it appear to you that things are getting worse? Does it appear to you that things today are worse than yesterday? Does that, that things are worse now than then? That this year is worse than last year? Does it appear this once great nation was founded on Christian principles But now it's in this state of decline in moral principle and godly principle. It seems that today is worse than yesterday. It seems that this decline is increasing almost on a daily basis. It seems that now is worse than then. It seems that, that year after year, there's this new dynamic in ways to reject God's Word. It appears that last year is not as bad as this year. It seems to be getting worse and worse. And listen, understand this. Israel went through times of godliness, godly, ungodliness. Went through times of ungodliness. Times where they turned away from God. Times where they reached out to Belial. Times when they worshiped Belial. Y'all who that is, right? Jesus didn't. Jesus gave him one name. Boy, how do I say this? I'll let you. I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm going to let, let it sink in a minute. Jesus didn't call him this. He called him the dung God. Now, let it sink in. That's what Jesus said to the devil's face. You know who you are? And that's, we are the people of God. First, let's just let the devil know who he is. He's nothing more than a dung God. Boy, it's a good thing we can say that word and it's not, because otherwise Bishop would be taking the mic right now. Even though they went through this godlessness, this ungodliness, it was God's love that disciplined them and brought them back to where they needed to be. And God, as He disciplined the nation of Israel, will discipline the nation of the United States of America. It's coming. Why is that? Because God loves us. He loves us. He loves His people. And because of that, he, He takes care of us. Discipline is part of it. The Word says that light has no business with darkness. Would you all agree with that? Light has no business with darkness. That, mean, that means that we have no business not with a people of darkness. That's the people we're trying to reach. You know what I've noticed about the church when we first came into church, Bishop? Church, you know what I've noticed about that? At first, when I came into the church, I was wanting to invite everybody. And, man, you're not going to believe what happened to me, wanting everybody to come. Then after I was in it a while, I was like, you know what? Everybody needs to be saved. I went from wanting to invite everybody to everybody needs to be saved. Then it went to this next level, like, you know what, it's too bad they're like that and I'm like this. It's too bad they're lost and I'm saved. It's too bad they're sinners and I'm the saint. It's, then it went to, you know what, I, we have our little group. And you know what, y'all, y'all guys need to stay out of the church because if you do, you're bringing the devil in. It went from wanting people to be in the church to keeping them out. Boy, y'all are looking at me like, you did the same thing. You did the same thing. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Why do you think there's empty spots in the chairs? Dung God. Understand the place that that God has on you. The thing He wants. He doesn't want you to believe that God will be a father to you. He doesn't want you to believe that you're His sons and daughters. Why is that? Because there's promises involved. I'm talking to you about being about powering up. Let me get through this because the power. Listen, if you haven't felt it, don't worry about not feeling it because there's an experience here today. And it's not, we don't worship God because of how we feel or don't feel, right? Right. Okay. We don't worship God because of what he did or didn't do, right? We don't worship God because of what he gave or didn't give, right? We worship God because he's God. Understand this. Understand this. The power of God's going to pour out in here, not because of what we do or don't do, it's going to pour out because he's God. He's ready to pour out some power. He's ready to power you up today. He's ready. Did you come in here a little bit? Uh, rough week. Man, that stuff in the air this week made me, whoo, knock me down physically. But you know what? That, coming here today, little thing comes on, low tire pressure. I'm praying, driving here, low tire pressure. Man, I said, devil, you're not going to discourage me. As a matter of fact, devil, let me tell you something. There's a QT right there that has free air. I'm going to speak it to him. That's no matter what you do, God's going to provide. The, oh, no, that was QT. Oh, no. I was in the right place at the right time to pull over and get free air. Most air costs you $1.50. It's time to power up. I, w- I want you to get what, what's going on here. The, the, the people of God have no business teaming up with those who don't believe. It doesn't mean that we don't reach them, but we don't team up with them. There, there's a reason we don't team up with them. You know, that's the, what's one of the problems in the church is that we, we're not getting people to team up with the church. We're getting the church to team. T- t- mm. Instead of the world, uh, instead of us penetrating the world, what's going on? You can say it. It's okay. Everybody knows. The world's penetrating the church, right? We, it's time for us to power up. Here's what you will find. Wherever the most power is will dictate the most power. Man, I know scientists. Are y'all here? I just poured one on you. It dictates the most power. It's very simple. Churches today, I'm going to talk about. the churches today are in the business of entertainment. Why is that? Because entertainment's what. Why do you think Hollywood's so big? Entertainment. It draws the world. Why do you think the NCAA, man, John, and I've been having a ball watching the NCAA tournament and laugh because number four gets beat by number thirteen. That's more hilarious. And when it happens four or five times, that's even funnier. That all these teams that are supposed to—it's entertainment. That's all it is. And so what we've done as the church is what. Listen, if if everybody likes entertainment, we're going to have to entertain to get people in. I can tell you, I know without a shadow of a doubt, nobody is entertained with my preaching, and I'm good with that. Nobody's entertained with it. I'm good with it. I can see some of you wiping your lips and your head, you know, looking down. You, you, Did I forget this? And you, on your—I can tell you when you're on your phone. You, I'm hoping you're looking up scripture, but understand this: that, that preachers are cautious and afraid to preach about or against sin in the pulpit today. Very, very cautious, or even against preaching about sin. I'm not going to hit you with sin today. No. Heaven forbid we'd ever preach about hell. Like the lake of fire. Well, we don't go there anymore. And so, what happens in all this is the truth becomes compromised. Now, the truth is always the truth. It becomes compromised in us. We're the com- truth. Can't be compromised. You understand that, right? Truth cannot be compromised, but it, it can compromise you in your life. That's why you've got to power up today. Just like in the days of Noah. Know this right? Surely, in the days of Noah, there was a judgment. Understand this. God, God's very, uh, he keeps his appointments. There's coming a judgment. Now, thank God I'm with God's people. Our judgments have been taken. So we have a great responsibility, right, to reach the unbeliever. You agree with that? We have a great... Most of the churches is like, like this because we, we're not sure we're supposed to reach the unbeliever today. But that's, that's your job and my job is to reach them. It's his job to save them. Our job to reach them. His job to save them. Don't try to save them. It's not going to work. You ever tried to save your, your mom or dad or your brothers? I did. You know how well that worked. It's my job to just present it. Your job to... And that's what we do as believers. But what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Are there any unbelievers here today? Now, I'm asking you that question for a reason. It's not to condemn you because you didn't bring somebody that was an unbeliever to church. Are there any unbelievers here today? If we really believed in God, if we believed His Word, in the power of the resurrection, if we believed the the resurrection of the saints, if we believed in the lake of fire... uh, Shouldn't we respect God more? Because we believe a lot of things in this world. Because what does it mean to believe? Belief has more than just a mental uh, acknowledgement, but it's act- and our actions show our belief and our faith. And so, whatever actions we produce, y'all go get quiet on me. This is going to be okay before it's over with. Holy Ghost is here, God is here. Our actions dictate our belief. Your, when you drove here today, your actions dictated your belief. You had to get around that wreck, but your actions dictated your belief. You had, you had to put your key right in, and you had to turn it. That action alone dictated you believed that car was going to start. That's how simple it is to believe in God. So let me ask you a question. Are there any unbelievers here today? Because our actions dictate. There's, that's why we've got to power up. You know, because you ever stuck that key in there and turned it and... You know what that means, right? It means your battery's dead, no power. Or it's got just enough t- power, because understand this. When it has enough power to go, k- 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 k, that means it still has a little power in it. Yeah, maybe it's the connection. But if it turns over like this and you hear nothing, that's a dead battery. And we can't ever come to church and not be powered up where when we turn it over, we hear nothing. At least get kick k- out of us. What thank God for battery cables There's a battery cable in the spirit realm that'll recharge you. It's not that the power ever left you. You know what you did you you ever left that light on all night and didn't realize you didn't turn it off and you got okay. It's just that we need to allow the Holy Ghost to be regenerated in us. And re- so, why do preachers feel confined when it comes to preaching against sin? Why do you think that is? Why do we feel confined? Why does Pastor Don feel confined preaching against sin? Uh, well, maybe we're—I'll tell you what it is. I think in today's society, we're above sin, we're past sin, we're over sin. That's what—that's got to be it, right? That's got to be the reason, because otherwise, Pastor Don ought to be preaching a little bit about it. What causes us to hold on to the things of the world? What causes that? I, I'm hoping you're answering this in your mind. I'm glad you're not all shouting out your answers. We do that at Sunday school. but What causes us to hang on to things of the world? We have to live in this world. We have to provide for our families. We have to go to our jobs. We have to pay our bills. All of that is very, very scriptural. What causes us to hold on to the world, though? Not the things that are necessary. What causes that? The Bible says we're the temple of the living God. None of, there's none of that we need. Nothing that you're holding on to in the world. I'm not talking about your necessities and what you're required to do. But the, the worldly things that we think we need. See, I so some things I think I need to, so, so that I look right around certain people. You know, I'm not going to drive a 1971 uh, Datsun pickup that has 567,000 miles on it to work. Why is that? It'd get me there. Why do I not do that? Matter of fact, that thing got better gas mileage than my truck will ever get. And it'll do the same job my truck does. Why is that? Because there's just things we think. We think. See, here's the thing about the power of the Holy Ghost. When the power of the Holy Ghost gets into your life, and you understand what the power of the Holy Ghost, and we're about to get there what the power of the Holy Ghost is, then you begin to realize, you know what? That dancing looks pretty good. That dancing looks pretty good. It does anything that I need done at very little cost. Right now, I've got a maximum cost when I can have minimum to no cost. It's, as a pastor, listen, first of all, let me answer your question and then move on. As a pastor, I would be doing God and you a great disservice if I didn't preach about sin and hell not every week. Aren't you glad we don't do that every week? Because there are some who do. Remember those? Some of us are shaking your head like this because you remember every week we went. It was like those were the two subjects in Acts 2.38. Those were three subjects. And that's about all you heard. Aren't you glad there's a variety at least? I would be doing a great disservice to God and to you because God loves you and I love you. And God brings his word to us and gives us his word because he loves us. As a matter of fact, if I didn't do it, it would mean I didn't love you or God. That's what it really means. So, verse 17 tells us to come out from among them and be separate. The word separate here in the Greek, it means to set a boundary. It doesn't mean separate yourself and have nothing to do with them. Come out from among them and set a boundary. So, the first thing we have to understand about the thing, the unbeliever, is there's a boundary between you and an unbeliever, it's not a wall, it's not a fence. It's, a, it's, a, it's an in boundary that you have that you know, this is my place, this is where I go, and this is where I don't go. I'll go to you, but I don't do that. You, you ever been pressured to do that? You ever been pressured to do that, whatever that is? Because why does it feel pressure? Because they're crossing your boundary, or you're crossing your boundary. Come out from among them, set a boundary, saith the Lord, and touch not. The Greek word for touch here means to attach oneself. You ain't touch. Oh, I touched it. I'm in trouble. No. Don't attach yourself to things. You know, you've heard it preached here. There's some things that aren't sin. You just don't need to attach yourself to it. Because what happens is it leads you down that pathway. So come out from among them. Set a boundary. And don't attach yourself to the unclean thing. What do you think of unclean? Muddy boots? Baby diaper? What do you think of unclean? I want to get a picture in your mind. The word unclean in the Greek means just, just means impure and lewd. So come out from among them. Set a boundary. Don't attach yourself to unclean, to lewd, and impure things. This becomes very simple. And there's a reason that we have this instruction. He said, I will receive you. Man, that blows out a big doctrine for me in the old days. I always thought I received him, but I don't receive him. He receives me. There's a principle in this we have to understand. There's a reason the power of the Holy Ghost doesn't work in some people's lives. They've never been received of God. They've never come out from among them. Boy, y'all getting quiet. Man, we've got a bunch of guilty people here today, including me. The reason the power of the Holy Ghost doesn't work in our lives a lot of times is because we haven't followed this scripture. Because the, God's not setting rules here. and Listen, you abide by these rules or I'm going to zap you. That's not the point. None of God's Word is rules to zap you. It's not rules to control you. None of God's principles are principles to keep you from having fun. None of that. Every single thing is to give you freedom and liberty in God. Now, let's see. I would like to have all the freedom and liberty in this world. Man, wouldn't that be great? I could go and do anything I wanted. Anywhere, at any time, at any given place, free. That sounds pretty enticing, Bishop. But what if I had the same freedom in God? Not only would I be able to do that here, because when you have freedom in God, you can still go in this world and do anything you want and do it. That didn't mean. Some of you crossed that line already. Because when you have freedom in God, the things that you want are different than when you have freedom in the world. And so, not only that, here's what I see I can go beyond this world. I can go beyond this world. I can get outside of this world and still have liberties and freedom. There are liberties and freedom in the Holy Ghost. God's Spirit, that's outside of this world. The God that I'm talking about today, the Holy Ghost, Christ in us, the hope of glory. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, is the one that the universe is still expanding and God's watching. That Holy Ghost is watching as, the, as it, the, the universe keeps expanding. all that, that God is the freedom and the liberty God who wants to have in you. So, as God's people, if we want to be received of God and we want the power of the Holy Ghost to work in our lives, we've got to set some boundaries. We've got to set some boundaries. That's, I know that's anti-Christian today, but we've got to set some boundaries uh, so that we don't get attached to the things of the world. I know that's anti-Christian today so we, because... Because in in Christianity today, we're we're attaching ourselves to the world because we have no boundaries. Yes, sir, there's places I don't go. You know, there's pe- pe- there's people. He said, "Yeah, no, I got enough time." There's people will tell you I never go to a movie, and never go watch to a theater and watch a movie. But when you go into their study, they got a thing called a computer, and they will watch the movie all day long on the computer. It's they think it's the theater. <laughs> They're dumber than me. They're dumber than a stump. They think that it's the theater that's the bad thing. The the, there's nothing wrong with a the theater. Their theater holds nothing. It's not, it's a piece, it's wood and, and vinyl and popcorn, and that's that's all it is. We have a misconception about what God's asking from us. We have a misconception about what God wants from us. He wants to receive us. Why? So that the power of His Spirit can work in this world. You understand that the power of God could do anything in this world at will. But that's not what God chose to do. He chose you to receive you, to work through you with a power. When He said, let there be, that's the Holy Ghost. Go back. When He breathed into the nostrils, into Adam, the breath of life, look what the word breath is. Numa, look what the new world for spirit is. Numa, it's the same thing, the God of life, and so He wants that life to be in you, man. <laughs> you question sometimes whether the Holy Ghost is in a life because the life seems to be dead. And aren't y'all glad he say church? Right, you, you get offended at me. So I use that life. Sometimes you think, oh, man, what what's going on in that person's life? Well, really nothing. there but their, their life is there's dead life because there's dead spirit. No, I just, you know, I remember one time. I'm not gonna say who said it. But they were talking about someone that had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And later they backslid away from God. And the person said, Well, I, I guess it leaked out. <laughs> I heard another person say one time, I guess it didn't take. We understand what really what God is. The only way, Pastor, how can I do what Paul says here? How is that possible? It's by the power of the Holy Ghost, which is where we're at today. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Have you ever seen a a show where they, they have a toxic spill? And so they bring people in to clean up the toxic spill? You ever seen that? No? They bring in these cleanup guys, and they have these suits on, and they have these masks and oxygen and all this stuff. And so first they remo- remove the contaminating source. Whatever's contaminating, they get that out of there first. Otherwise, they'll be there all day, all week, all month. They, re- they remove that first. Then they wash everything down, and they clean it so that you can't even tell there's been a problem here. Do You understand that that's what the Holy Ghost does? It convicts you of the contamination in your life. So that the blood can wash you. You understand the the one of the reasons that the power of the Holy Ghost doesn't work is we don't let the Holy Ghost convict us. We don't. You know, is, it against, is it against God's will to for us to steal a car? How about a candy bar? How about a pencil? How about a paper clip? You ever been convicted of a paper clip? Because I have. The power of the Holy Ghost is in you because God's spirit is a convicting spirit. He's not convicting you to death. He's convicting you to life. God God will then receive you when you let that power of the Holy Ghost move in you. (coughs) Bishop and I were talking earlier before service. Do we believe in the power of healing? See, that's what I thought. I'd get that response. No no offense, no offense. Oh, boy. Don't leave offended, y'all, because it's just me. Because if we believe what Jesus said, do you believe in casting out devils? Mm Mm-hmm. If we believe what Jesus said, this house would be full of people who had been healed, had been devils cast out of them. House would be full. Listen, somebody does that for you, you're going to go to their house. If I was full of the devil, I'd go straight to their house. I'd forget church. I'd go to their house. I'd be hanging around that person all the time because, you know what, they got power over devils. I want to be, be next to you. Or if, if, I had a, if I had a bad problem and I was healed because somebody lays in, you know what, I'd, every time, I'd be around them all the time I, in case I get sick again. I'd be healed again. You understand what the power of the Holy Ghost is supposed to be in us? It's supposed to be in us where, where the world is it, it, that we're not contaminated by the world. The world is contaminated by us. We contaminate the world with the Holy Ghost in us. That's that's where we're hmm. part of the power of the Holy Ghost is is it helps us to 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 not touch the unclean thing. And and so it can fix us to confession. First John one and nine, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why are you telling me this, Pastor? Because this is like Christian 101010101. Oh 101, 101. Turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 8. The book of Romans, chapter 8. This is some of our favorite book chapter, but we miss it. Romans chapter 8. For they, verse 5, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh man that's pretty simple isn't it romans chapter 8 verse 5 but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit that's pretty simple i have two choices i can mind the things of the flesh or i can mind the things of the spirit whichever one i mind is the one i'm after does that make sense so far I, listen i'm not trying to be, also I'll be i'm not trying to be elementary like but for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity or an enemy against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Your carnal mind cannot be subject to the law of God. It doesn't even understand the law of God. It doesn't get it. Your carnality doesn't get it. That's why you have to be spiritually minded. Stay with me. Verse 8. So they that are in the flesh are very pleasing to God. I think I misread that. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Let me correct that. But ye are not in the flesh. Hallelujah. Who's, Who's Paul talking to here? Church. Thank you. He's talking to the church in Rome. He said, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. There it is, Jesse. He's not extra, is he? Yeah. You're not even a Christian if you don't have the Holy Ghost. Boy, well, so now it's going to get deep. Y'all think it's. How about Pastor Don's going to go from simple to deep now? Get ready. Got your rubber boots on? Let me read this. But if you're, you're not in the flesh but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin but the spirit is life because of righteousness here we go but if the spirit of him that raised up jesus from the dead dwell in you he that raised up christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you how many of us feel quickened you know what the word quickened is There's a movie called The Quick and the Dead. So if the dead's the dead, what's the quick? Thank you. Very easy. Have you been made alive? Have you been made alive? Man, I feel dead, Pastor. Some weeks do you know I feel dead too sometimes? I feel just plumb out dead. But you know what? There's a Holy Ghost in me that says, no, you're not You're alive. Come on, raise it up. We have to be full of the Holy Ghost, walk after the Holy Ghost, be led by the Holy Ghost, be mindful of the Holy Ghost to understand that Holy Ghost is what's going to get you and me out of here. Not only is it going to quicken us, and and understand this, this is a twofold meaning. But quicken means bring to life. And so you're brought to life now so that you're brought to life Later. If you're not brought to life now, you'll never be brought to life later. The power of the Holy Ghost is in you to not only bring your spirit to life, but you know what? When I was born, I was there, but I don't remember it. But when I was born, I can guarantee you there was a slap. They used to do that. I don't do that anymore. I think they dunk them in water or something. You know what they do? They do They're doing they're bringing they're making that breath they're making that baby take a breath they're doing something to make that baby take a breath why because there's I, you know when i was alive when i was 2 2 minutes old i was life was brought you understand the holy ghost is supposed to bring you life sometimes god has to slap the bottom though to make you get okay let's keep going i told you it was going to get deep if the holy ghost the holy ghost has to dwell in you it's not extra it's not an extra you know there's a Doctrine out there that the Holy Ghost is extra, that you don't have to have it. That, and then there's another doctrine that says that when you accept the Lord, or, but well, here we go, you accept the Lord, that the, the Spirit comes into you. There's no Bible for that. There's another doctrine that says that when you receive the Lord as your Savior, the Spirit just comes in. There's no doctrine for that. So if you keep going and keep going, there is a doctrine of how the Holy Ghost enters you. There is a doctrine in Scripture. What is a doctrine? Everybody, somebody, not bishop, Every somebody. What does doctrine mean? Set teaching. The doctrine. That when we think doctrine, we think, "Oh, that's a rule." No, that's not a rule. This is a teaching. In other words, what Jesus taught, the apostles taught. What Jesus said, the apostles said. The apostles didn't make a mistake because Jesus didn't make a mistake. There's no writing in Scripture that's a mistake. So we understand that when we receive the Holy Ghost, there is a doctrine, a teaching that Jesus said. There's a doctrine, a teaching that Paul said. There's a doctrine, there's a teaching in the, book, in the Bible, in the book of Acts. There's a doctrine, a teaching that shows us what it means. You know why some people aren't walking in the power of the Holy Ghost? Come on, let's be honest. Y'all didn't think I was going to preach this today, did you? You know why some people aren't walking in the power of the Holy Ghost? Or not led by the Holy Ghost? You know, come on, speak up. They don't have it. Am I being rude? Absolutely. If I can be rude and get you to get the Holy Ghost, I'm going to be rude. You have to understand something. If you're not walking after, you're not following after. You you don't you ain't got it. God's getting pretty straight with us, isn't he? I'm just this is what God told me. I mean, I'm getting, you talk to God about this when we're done. Don't talk. Don't come complain to me. Go complain complain to God because okay, I'm going to show you by His Word. Okay, would you believe it? Okay, would you believe it if it was His Word, not mine? Some of you are like, no. <laughs> wow. Okay. The Holy Ghost has to dwell in us, the Scripture says. That Greek word means occupy or reside. Where are you going to go when you leave here today? Some of you to the restaurant, but are you going to sleep at the restaurant? No, you going to take a shower at the restaurant? Where are you going to go? You're going to go home because that's where you dwell. That's where you live. Most of your life is spent at your home. That's, the Holy Ghost has to, we have to be the home. This is where the Holy Ghost comes and does his thing. This is where God's Spirit comes and does his thing. The Spirit of Christ come and does his thing, is in our home, has to occupy and reside. It's at home when you're the most at ease. I've seen some of you at your home. You're different than you are here, and that's okay, because you might be embarrassed to come dressed like that here. You might be very embarrassed to smell like that here. You're at ease at your home. You should be. You should be. It's your place of comfort. It's where you're yourself. That's what home is about. That's where you're the most comfortable. understand, the Holy Ghost in you, God wants to be God in you. The most comfortable place God has is in you, not outside of you. Your home's a safe place. Romans 8 and 11. Let me read that again. The spirit of him that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall so quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. The word quicken means to produce life. Pastor, I'm, I'm really not. Produce life. If the Holy Ghost dwells in you and it quickens you, what it means is that not only brings you alive, it produces life. The Holy Ghost doesn't just bring you alive. produces life. It begets or bears the living. I'm just reading you the Greek. The Holy Ghost is meant to beget and bear the living in you. To cause to live, make alive, give life, to increase life. Well, Pastor, the Holy Ghost lives in me. Let me back up. The Holy Ghost produces life. It bears the living young. It causes to make alive. It gives life and increases life. Now, let me go back to that again. Well, the Holy Ghost lives in me. I hope so. I hope so by that definition, that that's the case because there's a power that the church is missing today in, in the not all over the world because there's, there's some crazy things happening in the world right now in the church, crazy. <clears throat> let me ask you a question. I'm going to finish here. Are you being refreshed in the Holy Ghost every day? Are you being refreshed in the Holy Ghost every day? Because the Bible says that when you wake up in the morning, it's a new day. Yesterday's Holy Ghost means nothing. It's today's Holy Ghost that means something. Are you refreshed every day? What do you mean refreshed? Well, have you ever been out mowing and it's hot and you come in and get a good cold drink of water? That's refreshed. That's refreshed. Man, it's something you've been longing for. There's nothing worse than being out. I did. I was going to mow just a little part of the front of our house and got carried away yesterday, and dust flying everywhere, and man, my mouth was parched. And so as I'm as I'm out there mowing, I look across and here comes Jana, and what does she have? A bottle of water. Ah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, I, that's my wife. Hope you have one like that. Man, that water tasted so good because my mouth was so parched you understand that that's what God wants to do for you spiritually every single day refreshed in the how am i ref, how do i get refreshed in the holy ghost i'm glad you asked that's awesome well you know pastor i was refreshed back in 1975 i was refreshed back in 1982 i was refreshed in 2012 i was refreshed in 2019 i had a hard time refreshing in 2020 Refreshing is the everyday pouring of God's Spirit into your life. I'm going to ask you a very blunt question. When is the last time you spoke in tongues? That's pretty blunt. When is the last time? Well, I don't have to speak in tongues. No, you don't. You're absolutely correct. I agree. You get to. The Bible tells us on the day of Pentecost that was the evidence to the believer that the Spirit had come in. The Bible later tells us that Paul was writing to the church in Corinth and said, listen, there's going to be times in your life when you don't know what to pray, and there are going to be groanings that cannot be uttered, and it's going to be by the Spirit, because that is something the Spirit's going to say, that you can't, you have not the words. You have not the feeling. It's far beyond your capability, and so that's going to come out. And I'm asking you a question. I'm asking you an honest question. Half of you are going to leave me today. I can tell by your look on your face. That's okay. You're not leaving me. You're leaving God. When's the last time you spoke in tongues? Let me ask you another question. Have you ever spoken tongues? It's not the tongues. You understand that, right? Tongues doesn't save you. Tongues doesn't do none of that. Tongues is an evidence. There's evidence in your life that doesn't save you, but it shows the presence of God that's called the fruit of the Spirit. It shows the presence of God in your life. Those things don't save you, but they're they're the evidence of the of God in your life. So, when yeah, <laughs> looking at me like, I'm sorry, you'd had to be here Wednesday night to understand why I'm laughing and looking over there. No, I'm not going to explain that. You Why do we have so many reasons that we don't have to do something? Why do. Why do we have so many reasons that we don't have to do something? Well, I don't have to do that. You're absolutely right. God didn't say you had to do anything. It's up to you. You get to do. Yeah, you you understand? You get to repent. You get to repent. God could have made it where you never God could have made it with none of us. We were all bound for hell, all bound for the lake of fire. Everybody lost. It could have been that way. God gave us the opportunity. I get to repent. I get to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of I, I get I, that, man, I, I still remember that day. And I'm going to tell you, I got the double dose, Bishop. It was a month after I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost that I God he exposed to me what baptism in Jesus' name in the Scripture was, and it was very simple. So I'm getting baptized, and so our friend Dale Williams is getting baptized too. And so I get, in there, I get baptized, and I come up out of the water, and yeah, that's right. Pastor Don was speaking in tongues when he came up out of the water. And you know what? I was in it, I didn't want to get out of it. It kept on and it kept on. And so Brother Green pushes my, my back against and pushes me to the end of the baptistry, gets Dale in there, and baptizes Dale. And I, I'm not getting out of this. You have to understand where I came from. That I'm not getting out of this until you make me leave. And so when we kind of when I finally kind of gave up on it, there Dale and I were standing in the baptistry, and Dale's sister. Debbie, Deborah was sitting down in front pew, and Jana was sitting. I was dating Jana at the time, sitting in front pew, and the church was empty. Wasn't a soul left in the church, including the pastor. Left us to lock it up. You ever been? You know, that wasn't the first time I received the Holy Ghost. That was a month before that. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when's the last time you were refreshed? Man, when the Spirit of God just, you know, this sounds like old-fashioned Pentecost, doesn't it, Terry? Yeah, you understand? That not not all old is wrong, right? Matter of fact, most of the old was good. They just had some messed up stuff, but most of the old was good. So I'm not going. You notice I hadn't said I'm finishing. I said, me. All right, I'm finishing. It's time to power up. It's time to power up. It's time to come to God and say, You know what, God? I'm just, I need that refreshing. God, I need, you know, I need that Spirit to fall on me. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. I need that Holy Ghost to fall on me. Yeah, I have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Maybe you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you something, you are in for one, one wild ride. Can I put it that way? You're in for the most exciting thing that's ever happened to you in your life. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you begin to speak in a language you've never when Ivana receives the Holy Ghost, she's not going to speak in Polish. She's in Poland. She's going to speak in a language she's never learned. You understand, this is a very simple thing. This is not hard. And let me tell you something even greater than that. When, If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they're the language. But here's the thing. When Paul talks to the church, he says this. Listen. When, when you have those groanings that cannot be uttered, because sometimes, y'all, we get into our life, and we have situations, and we just can't talk about it. And so there's groanings, and as the Spirit begins to speak their tongues, you understand the devil understands English, right? He understands Polish, right? He understands Spanish, right? But he doesn't understand the language of God. He doesn't understand that when you're up here getting refreshed, and that Spirit is talking through you, he he's totally out of whack now. That makes no sense because that is a language between you and God. God's Spirit speaking for you through your spirit. Why is that important? Because it ain't none of the devil's business. He's a dumb God. That ain't none of his business. And so, I'm just asking you today. Are you ready to power up? Are you ready to power up? Are you ready to let the Holy Ghost minister to you right now? I'm asking you again, when's the last time you just spoke in tongues? It's not the tongues. You understand it's the refreshing. The Holy Ghost, this is the refreshing. This is the rest where the weary. Are you weary today? The Holy Ghost, if you're you're tired and weary today in spirit or in body, you come up here. Because you know what? You're going to get your rest now. The Holy Ghost, you're going to get your rest. All those things that have been coming against you spiritually, now you're going to get your rest. All those things you've been battling, you battle the flesh like I do, because I'm telling you, I battle the flesh. I'm going to get some rest and some. I'm going to get. I'm going to quit being weary. And the Holy Ghost is going to minister right now in my life. I'm going to get some rest today at this altar. I'm a little bit weary. I'm a little bit tired, but my spirit says, God, I need a refreshing. Are you ready to power up? Are you ready to let God? Jesus said, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. There's a dynamite, a dynamo. There's a power. There's something God wants to give you that drives you further than what you've been. In. There's places I don't think I can go. God said, Oh, yes, you can. There's places you don't think you can go. Oh, yes, you can. I can't overcome this. Oh, yes, you can. I can't quit doing this. Oh, yes, you can. This flesh is about, Oh, yes, you can. There's a power that goes way beyond that. There are people in this church, in this building right now, that can tell you the power of the Holy I can tell you and stand and tell you that the next day I didn't have the desire to do things. Not because Don was all holy, because the power of the Holy Ghost came in me. Are you ready? Go ahead. Go ahead. It's your